Hello. Welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Today is Black History Month. But for me, every day is Black History. Because there's always something new that we're learning. There's always a new individual who is sparking change. So it really, I, I love what M- Morgan Freeman was so right. He says, you got to re- relegate my history to a month? The shortest one of the year? And he had a really good point. And I'm going to talk about Morgan Freeman, and I'm going to talk about, I mean, I've, I've said this many times before on this podcast, and I promise you, this is a safe space. I always say that because of this world that we're living in and also I am an alternative to a three-hour podcast that we won't mention because I don't do long podcasts because I understand the commute times it's usually 30 minutes to an hour so are you going to continue listening to that podcast three hours at work no are you listening on your way home well because then that only covers two hours so then you've got another hour so here at the Dr. Zeus film podcast we talk about everything media life <clears throat> but I wanted to talk about you know I always say this on this podcast black artists created rock and roll black artists black music is part of popular culture you would not have pop even country if you think of a lot of the spirituals that were passed down and then the blues, you know, the blues, that is truly American. Blues, jazz. And you look at it, the, the 1950s, what happened? What happened? America basically threw the blues in the garbage. And it took the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and the Who and the Animals to say, no, no, you, you all threw your music away. We're taking it. We're taking it. And that's why so many British musicians love the blues. And Buddy Guy and B.B. King and Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf all, you know, they had great admiration for the Stones and the Beatles and even Little Richard because what was happening was the these British white musicians were saying, we were mainly influenced by the American blues, by American black music. <sighs> And that is important. I, I always I always tell people that when they're going on and on about, well, Elvis. Well, you know, Elvis was influenced by black musicians, too. So rock and roll itself was created by black musicians. Okay. Even hip hop. Hip hop has the same fire and aggressiveness as rock because it is popular music. Here at the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, I talk about films. I mean, filmmakers, you know, we, we lost Sidney Poitier in January. He was a filmmaker. A lot of people think that he just acted. He directed films. When he didn't act anymore, he would direct. And he directed Silver Streak, which made over $100 million. The first for a black film director. So he wasn't just the first to win the Oscar, but he did other things behind the camera rather than in front of. And you know, Lena Horne often talked about in the early days, she said, you know, me and the shoeshine guy were the only black people allowed on the set. 
She was the first black actress to sign a major movie contract in the 1940s. She wouldn't play the stereotypical roles like Hattie McDaniel. Now, Hattie McDaniel invited her over to her house. And I have that video somewhere. These are important stories. And so I feel this is the podcast to talk about them. I'm not going to sit here and talk about DMT because I really don't know anything about DMT. Nor do I care. What I care about is the human situation. The human experience. And it's not been great. If you're a person of color... You know, where I live in Stockton, California, they used to have these signs up that said, No blacks, no uh, Mexicans, no Filipinos, no dogs. Okay? So... Racism, come on, even in California. I want to give a shout out to a friend of mine who does really great art. And she did a really beautiful piece of Malcolm X. Studying Malcolm X, you know, you know where my study of Malcolm X really came from was watching X-Men. And the late Stan Lee talking about how basically Professor X was modeled after Martin Luther King Jr. and Gandhi. And Magneto was patterned, was, you know, modeled after Malcolm X. Isn't that interesting? So I wanted to give a shout out to my friend Aisha, who has a company called Muslim Works. And she has social media and I wanted to, I'm going to try to put the link on my um, podcast. She does this beautiful art. She's a, I, I told her I would talk about her on the show in particular because here we are, it's Black History Month. And I have a sticker that I'm going to post on my social media of Malcolm X that she did. It's beautiful. Uh, my socials, you can find me at, at Dr. Zeus1980. So D-R-Z-E-U-S-1980 on Instagram and from there we'll talk more about these legendary performers I'm not a big Beyonce fan but I applaud her for what she's doing she's taking everything that she learned from the past black performers that she learned from Lena Horne that she learned from Whitney Houston that she learned from Tina Turner that she learned from Janet Jackson and to be a positive force and to let the work inspire and to show this beautiful beautiful evolution of art and music and and blackness that's the other thing and I, I said that to a friend once you know films are an important vehicle when I saw the film Moonlight, you know what you know what the important thing was? That's about bullying. That's also about black love. Between two men. Very rarely do you see that portrayed positively rather than negatively in the media. In films. Yes. Forrest Whitaker played he won an Oscar, but he was playing Edie Amin. 
and there's always that question okay what but why did you give it to him for playing a bad guy rather than a good guy if you think of uh, Sidney Poitier Sidney Poitier won his first Oscar for playing a good guy who builds a trap a chapel for nuns okay so there's always that question of okay what what are you awarding yeah it's great to give out awards is it you know stereotypical and I think as people we have to address that we have to address that and the importance of doing this podcast I've been doing this podcast for four years I've loved every minute of it it is truly a learning experience to do this podcast to present this content to you not just to play clips all the time you know Uh, ah I think this is the clip I'm looking for here we go said to me on more than one occasion you know talking about Hattie Daniels performance she's coming from a real place and the thing is again the context in which we see her we don't know where she where she goes when she leaves Scarlett's side we don't know her relationship with other black characters none of that is explained to us but she carries with her this toughness She's got that big sonic boom of a voice. Yes, she does. So you know when she speaks that she was born to give orders, not to take them. And this is the feeling she herself has. And she is able, she's strong enough that we're with her as the film goes along. Even though we feel there is much we're not told. And she's very moving at the end. I mean, towards the end with, you know, all the tragedies that, that mount. And, and you see her range as an actress. And I do think she deserved that Oscar. Yeah. And she always was very quick to rebut the criticism that she should have been hesitant to play such a stereotypical Yes. yes. You know, she was an ambitious actress. This was the big role for a black woman at that time. Uh, she wanted it, and then she had to defend it. And she was put into a difficult uh, position in that respect because um, she didn't want to alienate Selznick or the Hollywood community. Sure, she wanted to but, keep working. But I'll tell you something interesting about her. Lena Horne, when she went to Hollywood... I love Lena Horne. And Lena Horne was ushering in a new image of African-Americans, composed, poised... Um, and some within the black community were sort of resentful of Lena Horne, that they might not get work if Hollywood really changed. And Hattie McDaniel invited Lena Horne to her home. And Lena Horne said that Hattie McDaniel was her great defender. And she said that McDaniel's home was, uh, Lena Horne said this, it was exquisite. And she said that Hattie McDaniel told her that on screen she was a mammy. But in her own home, she was Hattie McDaniel. So she had a sense of this, that she was not going to be this other person, um, you know, in her own home and in a sense with her community. But she did defend her role. 
Donald, great stuff. Thank you for for, uh, for talking about it. We got much more to come. Okay. Up next, look at how slavery was portrayed on screen during this. And so that's from Turner Classic Movies. Donald Vogel sitting with Ben Mank- Ben Mankiewicz of Turner Classic Movies, talking about Hattie McDaniel and her relationship with other black actors. You know, Hattie McDaniel famously said, I'd rather play a maid than be one, because she realized how much she was going to make, and also the impact. I think that because people saw her on there playing the maid, but she was playing the maid that was given orders, not taking them. She knew that she was instituting she was instituting a change just just showing look i am not uh, yeah i'm i'm playing a servant but i am not going to be you know the servant that says yes i'm going to be the servant that says you do this you do stop acting like that if you remember gone with the wind what is she saying to scarlet she's saying look i told your mom and dad that you would do this and you need to stop acting like that And she's telling her truths that she just doesn't want to accept like a mother, because in that time she was her mother. She was she was giving her more love and affection than her own mother. You know, the children were seen as ornaments and the parents were rich and, you know, who's going to take care of them? Servants, not us. But then there's another side to we and I, uh, we got to talk about this. I I loved Paul Mooney. You know why I love Paul Mooney? Because like Hattie McDaniel's characters, he spoke truths. He spoke brutal truths that many do not want to face. I'm sure some of you wouldn't agree with his politics, but Paul Mooney, Paul, there would be no Richard Pryor if it was not for Paul Mooney. Paul Mooney was his writer. Paul Mooney really told the truth. And it was and it was a brutal truth that I don't think a lot of people could accept. But that's why I loved Paul Mooney. Paul Mooney was like, you know what? Uh-uh. I remember an interview he did where he he was it Opie or, Aunt, or one of them. I don't know. I don't listen to it. There we go. Aha. Paul Mooney talks about race relations. If you think of the really great comedians, Richard Pryor, we're, we're not going to put, you know, Bill, Bill Cosby. Here's the thing with Bill Cosby. People knew in Hollywood his real intent. The rest of the world didn't. And Richard Pryor knew, you know, Richard, because... Bill was always about, well, you can't say this. Remember, he went at Bill Cosby went after Eddie Murphy when he did Raw. You can't be saying fuck and you can't be saying this. And Rich Pryor said, You tell Bill he can go suck my dick. Well, <laughs> when Richard Pryor tells you to go suck his dick, you shut the fuck up. You shut the fuck up. That's why Richard Pryor, even even Carlin was like, Pryor is the king. Because Pryor had no fear. Pryor's story, I'm I'm always surprised I've never done a movie on Richard Pryor. Because he was born into an out a house of ill repute, a whorehouse. 
Okay? His his life basically is that animal song, House of the Rising Sun. That's Richard Pryor. And he wore his heart on his sleeve. And that's why we all loved Richard Pryor. A lot of people were scared of Richard Pryor. Because Richard Pryor told it like it was. And a lot of that comes from his co-writer, Paul Mooney. Here's Paul Mooney and Opie and whatever his name is. The world after freedom. When slavery, we lived with white people in their homes. Okay? When we got free, white people didn't want us in our neighborhoods. It's about ownership. If tomorrow slavery came back in, the whitest area in New York, they would be on their porch. Welcome home. We've been waiting. We haven't changed the thing. Go to your room. So that is Paul holding court on Opie and whatever his name is, Anthony. I don't know. I don't listen. It's it. Let, let's address the elephant in the room here at the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. I am not Joe Rogan. Every now and then I would watch if he had like Maynard from Tool or Sturgill Simpson or, you know, um, who else did he have on there? Uh, he'll have a few comedians on that I like, you know, like Bill Burr. But I'm not a viewer. And three hours? I always thought, this is a long... Can you just, like, edit it down and shut up? But whatever. You always can can tell when someone says, Oh, yeah, I listen to Joe. And it's like, okay, let me exit. If I ever go on a date with someone, <laughs> and they start to go on about Joe Rogan, I'm getting up and leaving. I truly am. But if they're cute, I don't know. Here we go. Okay. I'm looking for more. Here we go. Here's Paul. The words, you know, your name, Paul Mooney, and provocative or controversial were not also part of the sentence. And I want to ask, how do you feel about that? Do you like it? Do you, does it bother you? Is that, is that what you're going for? bother me. It's just that it's a person's, it's the way they're relating to me. I can't, I can't, I can't. It's not my problem what you think or what you, how you perceive me. I have nothing to do with it. I have no control over that. I have to have control over who I am and what I do and who I like. I like me. I have to like me to like others, you know. And so, 
if you have all these hang-ups, these problems, there's nothing I can do. I mean, but you I, could tone it down. It's not you... about toning down. It's not as I mean, that's a word I don't like. What do you mean tone it down? This was here when I came here, but tone what down? Racism was here when I came, when I was born. It'll be here when I leave. It's ingrained in this country. It's a marrow. It's bone. It's not going anywhere. It rears its ugly head. I mean, people try to tell me, they try to make me responsible for it. I'm not responsible for this. I'm an American. I'm as American as apple pie. I'm reacting to this. I mean, I dare you. It's like someone telling somebody who was raped where you wanted it. It's, that's sick. What, what do you see as your goal? Is it to make people think? Is it no, to... it's to make them think and it's to make them laugh. They're both. And it's also to send a message, and it's also to have some sophistication and some sort of class and some sort of good taste about what I do. Good taste, that's interesting. Yeah, about what I do, and, and, and that Martin Luther King and Malcolm X didn't die for nothing. You know, I mean, this, 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 what, the way things are in the world now, and our youth, and this self-hate, and this black people killing black people, the Ku Klux Klan have to retire, they're in their retirement homes. They don't have to do any lynchings. Black people are doing it to themselves. It's frightening. You know, I've heard you say several times that you're not angry. No. You're I don't just... know why people say that. You're just tired. No, I'm not even tired. What are you? I don't know. I, I th Oops. <laughs> Technical difficulty. See what happens with the finger? Um, if we can go back to that, because I know, I know. It's like you brought us here. Come on. I mean, I dare you. It's like someone telling somebody who was raped where you wanted it. It's, that's sick. What What do you see as your goal? Is it to make people think? Is it no? To... It's to make them think and it's to make them laugh. They're both, and it's also to send a message and it's also to have some sophistication and some sort of class and some sort of good taste about what I do. Good taste, that's interesting. Yeah, about what I do, and, and, and that Martin Luther King and Malcolm X didn't die for nothing. You know, I mean, this, this... You're just tired. No, I'm not even tired. What are you? I don't know, I, I think I'm funny. You are funny. Mm -hmm. I know, I don't, I, I don't know why people try to, they try to give you slogans. I'm not angry, I'd be on top of a building angry and shooting at people, that's angry. Maybe you're hurt. No, not hurt, no. I love being here. Not hurt. I just, I don't know. I guess I'm, I just don't like unfairness. You know, I think that's it. And I've always been for the underdog. And maybe I'm a crusader. Who knows? Yep. Maybe in my first life I was somebody that, you know, revolted or something, you know? Are you trying to make white people uncomfortable no, with the things you say? No, no, no. My parents are white. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I love that. See what he did? He turned the tables. He made her laugh. That's what I love about Paul Mooney. When Paul Mooney died, I almost stopped the car. Now, this generation remembers Paul on the Chappelle show. Chappelle was smart to bring in Paul Mooney. That was smart. Because he knew if you want it and you want it to be funny and you want it to hit people, whether it's good or bad, educate them. That, that's Paul Mooney right there is to make people think. He made us all think and he made us all laugh. 
Here's Ask a Black Dude from Chappelle. He doesn't want a girl. Maybe that's why her man's not faithful to her. If she grow up and become a woman, he could be faithful to her. But that's back from back in the day uh, in Africa in the beginning when the white man went over there and saw the, the black man naked with his 12 wives. Because black men are used to having a lot of women. He saw us with, you know, 12 wives. And so he ran back to America and made a law. But if you marry more than one person, I think they call it bigamy. And you have to break it down. Bigger than me. Can I ask you to move your chair for me a little bit? Just back a little bit. Okay. And uh, so square it off at the desk if you don't mind. No, the other way. So the arm is up against the desk. Yeah, like you. And back a little bit. Cool. Thank you. Still speeding. Okay, set. Yep. Here we go, Paul. And so we, I wanted to go over to, you know, what Mooney did. Mooney wrote for In Living Color. Mooney wrote for Saturday Night Live. It didn't always get it. I agree with him about fairness. Because there, there really is not a lot of fairness, especially in Hollywood. In the music industry, it's a different thing. In the music industry, it's like, okay, yeah. Beyonce didn't win album of the year. Adele did. <laughs> Adele now is having a shit show when it comes to that residency. So, uh, what what's the lesson right there? Well, don't make a subpar album because your audience knows. Your audience knows. Don't talk down to your audience and say, "Oh, well, I did. I don't make music for the TikTok crowd." A lot of people do. A lot of your songs are being lip synced. Beyonce and Rihanna and Drake, they love the TikTok crowd, but you, for some reason, I don't like it. Well, you know, you told everyone to get in the car and see your divorce. So Grammy people, don't give her album of the year again. That was a big mistake. And, and I'm not, and I'm not making, you know, uh, uh, what, uh, you know, I'm not defending Beyonce, but yeah, I was even stunned. Because that Lemonade album, that was real. That was real. What was 25? Just a sequel. First they had The Mexican with Brad Pitt. And now they've got The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise. Well, I've written the film. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll produce my film. The Last on Earth. Starring Tom Hanks. How about that? Buonasera, Negrodamos. Io sono italiana e ti, tu, tutti ti mandiamo un bacione enorme, tutti gli italiani. Um, volevo sapere um, cosa succederà a Rosie O'Donnell. Rosie O'Donnell shall have a sex change. She will become a man and marry Liza Minnelli's husband and beat him. <laughs> grazie, grazie mille. Grazie. Next. Hi, Negro Damas. What will happen to Star Jones on The View? Star Jones, I'm getting something. Star Jones will have two jobs. First, she'll do The View, then she'll take her wig off and do the weather. Thank you, Negro Damas. <laughs> Why in the movies is the black guy the first guy killed? That happy that's in that movie where he heals all white people. The big black runaway. He was throughout the whole movie. He only got killed at the end. 
which I hated. I hated that movie because I hated him and I hated everybody that wrote that movie. Black people are always worried about liking um, Barbershop. They better be worried about what they say in white films. White films go all over the world. Because I remember The Godfather, and I, I won't forget the, when they had the drug scene and they said, well, we don't do that, sell it to the They should have had something to say about that. <laughs> black people want to go to black dentists and the black people want to get buried by black undertakers. That's funny. Stephen King, he almost said, I ribbed it. I always thought dentists were dentists. I, I wasn't into black and white dentists, please. They can fix the teeth, cool. They can't, that's cool too. That's kind of a weird question. And coming from Stephen King, that was very strange. <laughs> horror man come on and ask the question about a that was already scary i wrote a, a script for stephen king i have a stephen king horror movie the brain we'll see how that scared people in school how about that stephen and now our first film is gone with the wind this film is an epic romance centering around scarlett o'hara a damsel in distress during the Civil War. It is a must-own, must-see movie. I highly recommend it. I couldn't agree with you more. I've actually seen Gone with the Wind 13 times since I was 10 years old. No kidding. You must be on crack. I don't think uh, <laughs> we've seen the same movie. I thought Scarlett was a hoe because she went to bed with everybody uh, but Mammy. I love Mammy. And Mammy was the best. The best scene in the movie is when Mammy told the white people, get off my poach, white trash. I stood and I applauded. I loved every bit of it. I liked Mammy, though. I really, I thought she was great. I thought she had a great role. To... Do you know in real life it was Hattie McDaniels? They wouldn't let Mammy go to the opening. Hollywood, I, no, no, Hollywood goes too far. But she she's dead, horrible. but she's dead. But everybody comes well, back. Everybody comes back to get their money. She, she, uh, she came back as Oprah Winfrey to get her money. <laughs> See, I told you. The truth. He's just talking the truth. He's holding court. But Chappelle, the Chappelle show producers and writers knew, bring Paul Mooney in. You want authenticity, you bring Paul Mooney in. And they brought him in. And it really, yeah, here we go. About a day in the life of a black barbershop on the south side of Chicago. It is owned by Ice Cube and inhabited by a colorful cast of characters who bicker with one another in various hilarious ways. Recently, a sequel was made. You know it's just a front. It, it really, they sell drugs out of barbershops. <laughs> <laughs> the Last Samurai centers around Tom Cruise, a Civil War veteran who goes to Japan and teaches the Emperor's troops how to fight. Mr. No, Mooney? no. Another movie that I was offended by. The, I mean, Hollywood is crazy. The Last Samurai starring Tom Cruise. Mm -hmm. He's the Last Samurai. Mm -hmm. Give me a break. That movie was offensive. I mean, Hollywood is crazy. At first they had the Mexican with Brad Pitt, and now they've got the last samurai with Tom Cruise. Well, I've written the film. Maybe they'll maybe they'll produce my film. The last on earth starring Tom Hanks. <laughs> See? That's why I chose today to start off Black History Month with Mooney. Mooney at the movies. And he had that deadpan face and they had that voice. Paul Mooney had that voice. You knew. When you heard that voice, it was Paul Mooney. The times that he was on Howard Stern, the times that he was on Letterman, 
Letterman knew. You know, Letterman, there's a picture of Letterman, Pryor, Richard, uh, Robin Williams. Um, I'm trying to think who else. And they're all together. They're all together. Yeah. Everyone is influenced by it. That, and that's the beauty of comedians. Doesn't matter what color you are. If you're funny, let them in. Even Bob, the late Bob Saget. The late Bob Saget was such a fan of Red Fox. He learned so much from Red Fox. So that says something right there. The universality of comedy. Because a lot of it is taking these really, really... I'm, I'm sad is, is not even a word we could use to describe history. Disturb, disgusting events. And you take it and you, and you laugh at it. You look at Richard Pryor. He was doing that. He was taking his history growing up and laughing about it. Taking how black people are treated and rolling with it. And Paul Mooney, you know, that's why him and Paul Mooney, that was such a great partnership. But at the same time, you know, Mooney didn't agree with everything that Pryor did. The drugs, the excess. And that happens. That unfortunately, it takes these icons like Pryor and disables them a bit. And, you know, Mooney, Mooney had some things to say about that. But I thought, you know what? Let's start off Black History Month the right way. I wish Mooney was alive. If there was a way to contact him, I totally would. We could get out the Ouija board and see what happens. But I'm even sure with that he'd get pissed. What you doing? Waking me up. Yeah. Do you know, this is the only time I... Uh... <laughs> I never met Paul Mooney, never saw him live. I have many, I have one of his DVDs and then all of his jokes like saved. <coughs> but I remember he was on Twitter and he asked who should play him in a movie. And I posted a picture of Samuel L. Jackson and he liked it. So that's the only time I was touched by the good graces of Mr. Paul Mooney. And I'm, you know. That, that's as close as I'm ever going to get. That's like getting a knighthood. You think I'm going to get a knighthood? No. But to to be touched or liked by Paul Mooney in that way. Come on. And. I mean, there's so many truths out there. You're not going to find them on Joe Rogan. And I'm just about I'm just going to say that. I'm going to say that and I don't care. Oh, he apologized. You know. I'm going to take on a little Mooney right here because I've always inspired and influenced by Paul Mooney. You know what? That apology is too late, too soon. Too late, too soon. You cannot backpedal what you already put out there. What you put out there was dangerous. uh, Reckless. You can't even even hold your own in a smoke box with Be Real from Cypress Hill. I saw that clip. Everyone saw that clip. Be Real has been smoking weed forever. And you, oh, I'm Joe Rogan. I'm big and bad. I work out every day. Yeah, I got pecs of steel. You know, I used to have pecs of steel, but even I could admit I couldn't hold my own with others with that joint. And you get in that smoke box all big and bad, and look at you. You, 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 you wither. You wither next to the mightiness of Be Real, Cypress Hill. 
you wither. That is an indication right there. All of you who are putting Rogan on this platform, that that's your your emperor of new clothes. And oh, and his misinformation. Oh, oh, you only die of COVID if you're out of shape. That's not true. There's a lot of people who were in really good shape who died of COVID. So what? I'm not even gonna say watch what you say. What you say is fucking reckless. It's reckless. Yeah. And he's in Texas. It's that's just typical right there of him. He left California because he was scared. What did he do? He ran off to Texas, where the building codes aren't even up to par. <laughs> so if anything, if karma comes back to bite him in the ass, his little studio will fall apart because obviously the building codes in Texas aren't up to par. And I know that for a fact. That's not that's not fake news. That's that's a fact. If you've ever watched. Was it the, the the those two weird fixer uppers, um, Chip and Joanna? Uh, I remember one time, um, and my father was talking about how they don't they don't the building codes. They're not strict about the building codes. That's why shit falls apart there. But it's as as my late coworker Laura used to say, it's Texas. That's what it is. It's Texas, I, and I know a lot of great people from Texas. So. But not Joe Rogan. <laughs> I I wish Mooney was with us. I know Mooney would have something to say about Joe Rogan and Spotify. I know he would. I know he would. I, I really can't conjure him up right now. It's windy. If I if I if I had a Ouija board, like I said, I could, I would. It's not gonna happen. But that's uh our beginning of Black History Month. But like I've said before, for me, every day is Black History Month. If, if I'm talking about rock and roll, if I'm talking about movies, I'm always going to tell you, to to the end of time, black people invented rock and roll. Okay. Buddy Guy and, and you know, B.B. King and Howlin' Wolf and Muddy Waters. Those are, those are the true forefathers. You know, uh, Little Richard... I was watching Predator the other night, and they're 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 in this helicopter, and you get Little Richard is playing. They're they're on their way to something a little you know little I love Little Richard. <sighs> yeah, and Chuck Berry, and I, I'm gonna give it to him, Ted uh, uh, Ike Turner. Now Ike Turner, yes, what what he did. Tina was uncalled for and disgusting, but he had the first rock and roll record. He had the first rock and roll record. So, rock and roll was invented by black people. I I, I echo the, the the show The Boondocks, and I know that Paul Mooney probably worked on The Boondocks. Such a great comedy, great cartoon. As Huey Newton, or, or not Huey Newton. <laughs> He was named after him. As Huey Freeman said, Jesus was black and the government is lying to people about 9-11. Hello! Jesus and Santa Claus were black. And and that's how you, you know, usually you piss people off and you say, well, Jesus was a woman. How dare you! Well, all a man does is shoot sperm and you need egg in order to facilitate that sperm. I know about science. Come on. And and I'm not pretending to be a doctor, unlike some people. 
because actually I do live with a scientist and trust me I learned about all of that when I was about five I had a new brother coming (laughs) and uh wish they would have taken him back and um I I was very inquisitive and curious and smart and I said where'd he come from and they told me he came from sex and I went oh really yeah oh then they told me when two people love each other they make a baby and I was like oh okay but then as I became a teenager and I'd hear friends who had gotten pregnant I thought well obviously oh they must love each other oh no that's just called a fuck you know and then you learn things like that hard truths yeah but I know about science I would I tell my audience to get vaccinated yes but and, and, and I emphasize the but make sure you get your health checked out just get it checked out make sure listen to your doctor I know a lot of people don't want to listen to the doctor oh I didn't listen I, I, I put it all in Jesus well look what happened that's your problem right there but he heals no no he watches from the sidelines come on let's get real he watches from the sidelines oh god now I'm turning Paul Mooney anyway anyway <laughs> Paul Mooney would have been 80 years old um, in August of 2021 he was with us for 79 years he had a beautiful memorial in Oakland California where he lived <laughs> and so I, I just want to that's that's how we were opening the Dr. Zeus film podcast. He was in films too. He was in films. He was in the Buddy Holly story. He played Sam Cook. With that voice he played Sam Cook. Okay. And so as always, unpleasant dreams. <laughs>